Hey y'all, welcome back to the Decolonized Christian Podcast, where we dismantle harmful theology and reimagine the Christian witness together. This week's episode, we have another guest with us to begin to learn about how she has deconstructed her faith throughout the years. Uh, so we're, we're so excited to continue this story, this series on stories of deconstruction. So I'm going to turn it over to Greg, and he's going to share who we got on the pod with us. What's up, people? So today we have Ariel with us. And <clears throat> Ariel is someone that I met on Twitter. So there is a part of Twitter called Weird Christian Twitter. Um, it's, it's literally called Weird Christian Twitter. And there's a hashtag WCT. And so I, I think, you know, we just follow each other and started talking. And over time, I realized that she had changed her headline to Ariel is decolonizing her faith. So I was like, let me ask. Yes. Let me ask if she want to come on this podcast and just talk about what, what it is that led her to this point and why. Like, what's going on? So Ariel, how are you today? Good. Thanks for having me. Yes. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being here. Yes. Welcome. Um, so, you know, as William said earlier, this is a dialogue and, you know, feel free to ask us questions to chime in whenever. Um, but can you just tell our audience a little bit about your background? Okay. Um, I am from Arkansas. Um, grew up in um, single parent home, raised by my mama. Um, we had we went to church, but my, but it was like a, a white church, so I grew up in predominantly white spaces. Honestly, um, I really that's shaped a lot of how I viewed, like how I experienced life, um, and didn't realize actually it was very harmful in the way I experienced life. But anyways, I, it wasn't until I was in college, actually, when I started to kind of like unpack some of my anti-Black like rhetoric. Um, and then it's kind of like, honestly, escalated from there. Um, because even then when I was in college, I was doing um, like, got saved again, because you know how everybody kind of goes through their thing of like, Grow up in a Christian home, are you really saved? Are you not? Yada, yada, yada. Maybe, maybe not. Do you want to stay? Anyways, I realized I wanted to really know God. Um, and so got saved again. Still was going to predominantly white churches. Um, thought I, and actually, I don't want to say thought. I was experiencing the Lord in the best way I knew how to experience the Lord during that time. But it really... Um, I have been awakened in the past couple of years. Um, I should also mention that I have a master's degree in marriage and family therapy. Then um, I had a lot of trauma growing up, um, trauma in the church, trauma in the home, um, really affected the way I understood relationships, um, romantic, familial, friendships, all of the above. Um, anyways, me going to therapy and then going to this, uh, like actually doing my master's program, um, just kind of helped me, um, also like unpack, like, you know, just the health of like, like what does healing look like, you know? And I should also mention that I went to Wheaton College. So if you're familiar with Wheaton College, that is, <laughs> they are known for the, the Christian, like the Harvard of Christian colleges is like what oh, they're yeah. known for. Yeah. Um, really, really great school. Yes. Okay. Yep. So, you know, mission trips, all, like, yeah. They're, they're hella evangelical. Can I say that on here? Yes. Hella. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Cool. Cause that, that's what they are. Hella evangelical. Um, they're better in their graduate programs. But, anyways, don't go into that. Um, anyways, yeah. That's kind of like, that's my background. I'm, I consider, well, I did consider myself. And even I guess you kind of speak in like past tense a lot whenever you're deconstructing and decolonizing, right? You know, I feel like that's kind of a lot of people's journeys. Um, yeah, so anyways, if I was me a therapist, turns out the Lord was like, no, actually, like lame, like burdening my heart with not pursuing any therapy jobs. And I'm like, well, what if like, I thought it was just like, you know, only working with like nonprofit, yada, yada, yada. No. God was like, 
stop with the therapy jobs. We're going to do something else. And that was whenever the pandemic had started. And so I had been working at Starbucks, like, cause I'm like, I don't have a job. I'm going to work at Starbucks. Um, okay. Wait, hold on. Let me rewind a little bit because before I started working at Starbucks, I was working at Naomi's house, which is a nonprofit organization that serves women of human traffic, survivors of human trafficking. Um, so I should mention that, and they were also a Christian organization and how I think that probably has, plays a part in like, what does it mean to like have traumatized people in your community and taking care of them spiritually and actually like taking care of like real needs of like regarding like social justice issues, yada, 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 right? Um, so anyways, that job was a lot for me just because um, I had been, been dealing with stuff in my own life and I felt like I couldn't really give what they needed um, in my job. I was doing a lot of trauma work during that time. Um, and so Starbucks is kind of like a good break, but also like a humbling break because I thought I'd be going to a therapy job, like in a private practice or something. So really having no idea what I'm doing with my life, but have all this knowledge about trauma, all this knowledge about like what it means to like heal and understanding like um just like really like unpacking like what does it mean to be in the image of God like because that is a big question that Christians should be having right um and understanding people like how can I look at someone and delight in them in the way that I believe that God delights in me or in us, you know? Um, anyways, I had a dream, literally, I had a dream that I was going to go to seminary and I woke up from that dream and I was like, this is it. So I'm going to seminary guys. Yay. Got accepted into Chicago theological seminary. Nice. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. So I am pursuing a master's of divinity in the study of black faith and life. Um, and so, yeah, that is like kind of, that has helped me launch more into decolonizing my faith. So yeah, hopefully that like answered your question. Well, I kind of took some loose turns in there, but. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. And something that you, um, something that you said with your, previous degree you got in marriage and family therapy, the studies around trauma, I think that those, those studies, the information that you got from that degree is gonna be really helpful as you continue to decolonize your faith. Oh, yes. There's a woman, um, you may know her. Her name is Jo Lumen. Um, yeah, real popular Twitter, just like a faith person, decolonizing faith person. Yes. <laughs> I love her account. <laughs> so Joe is a person that has studied trauma as well. I don't think she has a degree in any type of therapy, but she has studied trauma and she often speaks about how trauma informs our experiences and how that is what we need to be healed from and be made free from. Um, and she has different thoughts about lots of stuff, but I, she always speaks about trauma and how it affects people and how yes. um, we can get trauma from different experiences. And unfortunately, one of those places is in, tends to be in church settings. Um, so yeah, that is something that I think will, will really, really, really help you as you move forward in your journey of decolonizing. Um, so like- I absolutely agree. <laughs> yes, yes. So since you grew up in church, um, at this point, what does the gospel mean to you? I've been thinking about this a lot, actually, lately. Um, <laughs> and I'm always like so hesitant to answer questions like this because I'm like, uh, all I know is like white evangelicalism. Like that is all that like my Christian thought is formed from. And so I don't want to sound surfacey I don't I don't want to sound inauthentic and and I mean that like I'm not that is offense taken um you know so that's a shot at white evangelicalism um yeah the gospel 
means to me, like, I guess for right now, that's a good enough answer for me is that like hope exists just like in general, even if you are the worst of the worst, or you have been through the absolute worst of the worst, hope in itself will exist for you. And, um, that I don't want to go any more than that because there's like, I think there's a lot of layers to kind of unpack there. And I'm afraid I'm going to leave something out. Like I'm going to leave someone out in that. I want to be inclusive. And so, yeah, that's what I got for that. I think that's good. You know, the gospel is good news and to, to be able to have access to hope, that is definitely good news for the people, for the masses. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and again, it's something that, you, that yeah. you continue to, you know, learn about more as you continue down this process. Um, and you'll find that being, un- being comfortable with uncertainty, because the more and more that I live and grow and expand my mind, I feel like certainty is a myth, sort of. I feel like it's sort of a myth because we don't, <laughs> we don't have, we, we don't think we know all that we, we don't know all we think we know. Yeah. No, we don't know, we don't know all we think we know. I was reading a, um, an article um, about orthodoxy and heterodoxy yesterday. And I'm just like, Stuff is always, stuff changes all the time. <laughs> yeah. Stuff is always changing. You know, okay, Catholic Church, y'all thought this was this, and then Martin Luther said, nope. So, and then you flip the script. <laughs> <laughs> you know, right. <laughs> you flip the script, and, you know, his view was heterodox, and theirs was orthodox. You know, mm. so, yes, I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm starting to embrace the notion that this is it's just a myth. And that allows me to, you know, rest comfortably in my faith, you know. Because I, I feel like if you have all the answers and if you know everything, why do you have to have faith? Yeah, exactly. That's, 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 <laughs> how, that's how I feel about that. So um, I can really yeah, agree. Just keep doing what you're doing. Um, <laughs> so since you have had church experiences. I heard you say you grew up in primarily white evangelical spaces. So I don't know if that, is that still the same for you? And if it is, even if it isn't, where have you struggled to see God moving through the institution of the church, whether it's in white evangelical spaces or wherever you have landed right now? Totally. Um, so I should probably mention that I'm not going to church right now. And partially is because of the pandemic. The part, other part of it is that I do not trust the way I understand the Bible. Like I really don't. And whenever I say that, like even reading the Bible has been very difficult because I'm like, oh my God, like Lord, like I don't, like I know you, like I, like I feel the Holy Spirit like living within me and speaking to me, but I don't understand a lot about the Bible <laughs> um, in the way that I thought that I did um, because I'm so influenced by a privileged culture. Um, but anyways, so I am not going to a white church, only white area, and I will never go to a predominantly white church ever again. I've learned to even be cautious of when they say multi-ethnic churches. I've learned about the cautiousness of that because they usually have white male pastors leading over, like there's like no other pastors of color that are men, that are queer, that are, you know, women, whatever, you know? Um, anyways, okay, I got like really passionate for a second. What was the other part of that question? Oh, where have I failed to see, where, where have I, what have I seen? Can you tell me again? Where have you struggled to see God moving through Yes. Yes. Thank you. So sorry about that. Um, yeah, I honestly, it is within the white people. And I mean that like, and I, and I also want to say in like the white people and in the heterosexuals of everyone, (laughs) does it make sense? Like, so it's like, 
there's there's a lot of deconstruction of homophobia that we need to be doing in the church as well. Uh, we need to unpack our ableism. Yep. Um, we need to unpack a lot of crap. Like, yep. Um, who am I leaving out? <laughs> because there's like, like there's like so much that people just don't want to address because you just don't have to, um, or it doesn't concern you. But like, if your neighbor mm-hmm. is hurting, like you take care of them. And um, also, we should be unpacking capitalism <laughs> within yes. the church, you know, like, <laughs> yep. yeah. So, yeah, you're talking to progressive socialists over here, by the way. So beware, everyone. <laughs> um, yeah. But so I say that I have, like, struggled to see God move in these areas also because I haven't been in areas where God has moved. And so I want to I don't want to say that the Lord hasn't been doing things you know like because I believe that God is always doing something and it's something that like I just because I don't see it doesn't mean that it's not happening or he's not like stirring up things you know and um and so I'm trying to like maintain both of like that hope and then also like being realistic about like in a lot of areas I've been it has been the exact same so I think us deconstructing and decolonizing is some of that hope, you know? Yeah, for sure. Just being able to live in the tension of, I know this is not healthy. The the witness of the Christian Western Christian evangelical church is not healthy. And, and yet that's where I met God and God is good and God is faithful in my life. And I see the hope. And, and yet I got to get the disease of white white supremacy out of my bloodstream so Mm. I can be filled with the spirit Mm -hmm. of inclusion and equity and diversity and all of that. And Mm -hmm. so being in that tension of I'm not throwing the baby out with the bathwater, but we are certainly changing some things and we don't know necessarily what's on the other side because it's it's being built, right? We're we're building the raft while we're in the Mm -hmm. midst of the waters and that can Mm -hmm. scare people. And to be like, oh, well, you're not a Christian or you're doubting God. And it's like, well, no, I'm actually right. doubting the people of God and their theology right. about yeah. a God I believe in. That's what I'm doing. I'm not necessarily doubting the existence of God. I'm doubting the existence of the perceived community of the Amen. people of God and what they <laughs> practice and how they walk the earth and how they articulate how God is moving in the world. That's what I'm... <laughs> That's what I'm trying to deconstruct. It's that, right. not necessarily my own personal belief in a cosmic savior, you know? And so. Right. And I feel like, I don't know if you guys have like sensed this, but you know how there's always like the white liberals that will kind of come in and then will be like, kind of like force, like it, granted their trauma from the church is extremely real but they will kind of be like okay deconstruction equals atheism like i think i don't actually i don't really know what i think about that except for the fact that like i thought deconstruction just means kind of unpacking and then coming to where you come you know whether it's like you lose your faith or either you like you want to know God better in a way that is healthy. You know what I mean? And so I believe in the Lord. I believe in God. And so I am not, I don't blame things. Like you said, I don't blame things on God. I'm blaming the people. And I'm like, we needed to get it together because this is like, this breaks God's heart. I truly believe that. And so, so yeah, I don't know. I just feel like making that point, but. No, that's a good point. I I personally have never heard deconstruction like the very the perceived threat of and fear of losing faith i mean Mm. you can have that even if you're any you know like Mm -hmm. that's not that's not a new thing Mm -hmm. um but what i will say is is god not big enough to handle your questions and your doubts if god designed us in such a way for inclusive intentional community we're just remantling what that looks like in our life when we're deconstructing. We're we're just ripping mm. through the layers of saying this no longer serves me. It has no value. It has no purpose for God has showed me what is good. I've tasted and I have seen <laughs> that God is good. Yeah. And that's the good for me personally. That's the good news. I've tasted 
and I've seen inclusion and equity and I'm running for that. Yeah. Right? I'm calling people yes. forth yeah. um, because that's super important to me. And even if we are wrong and God is not in it, mm-hmm. we have, we've brought value to people's lives, like, like yeah. trauma, like we've communally uplifted people and said, no, your concerns and your, they, they deeply matter to somebody walking this planet. And we're, mm-hmm. when we're, we're verbally saying, we're going to walk with you, right? We're, we're going to yeah. pray not for you, but we're going to pray with you in this. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. You, you are our, we, we are reclaiming what God said is Shalom. And so at, at the very yeah. end of this is like, God's not real. It's like, cool. Well, I fought hunger, gentrification. I fought for inclusion. Yeah. Yeah. I fought for trying to decolonize <laughs> education. Like, okay, it's a better world. It's a more equitable <laughs> world. I think, I think we're onto something. Exactly. And I think that is what we should always be moving toward because I honestly don't like, for me personally, I'm at a point where I'm like, you just, you land where you land. Right. And, <laughs> and that's just that. Yeah. Like, we can, Re- uh, really though. Really, it is. It, it really is. It really is. You, you cannot, you know, this is a problem that I have with many Christians is this notion that, you know, what's loving is me making you think the same way I think about a thing. Mm. I think you are wrong about it. Mm-hmm. But you don't love me more than the creator. If if the creator come on giving me <laughs> agency, a free will, a brain to think and make my own decisions, then you as another person cannot violate that. You cannot override that. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's uncomfortable for people to sit in there, especially those Bible thumpers. Like, <laughs> I think it's really, really uncomfortable for them to sit with that. But I'm like, even me as a Christian, I, I have to just sit with that. That's why yeah. I don't, it's not my place. Whenever I engage people with, with discussion, like it's not, I'm just trying, I'm trying to understand what your point is. I'm not, yeah. even, I'm not necessarily seeking to make you change your mind. I just want to know why you think the way you think about a thing. Mm-hmm. Like it. You know, you can have another discussion another day for deeper thought. But like this, because the reality is that people may never stop doing what they are doing. If you think, yeah. you could think it's sinful, evil, whatever, and they could do it until they die. So now what? Can I, can I add something to that? Because yeah. I love that you were just, talking about that because like you know (laughs) there's people like so so much of like american christianity is kind of based on fear yes don't go to hell don't go whatever you can do avoid it and like do people like i feel like that just reflects of like how we relate like if i'm gonna even just like parallel how we relate to god as how we relate to like a parental figure like does that not scream like just like obedience out of fear like that's a very western thing right like we don't yeah like we don't we don't disobey our parents because we're afraid not because we have like like you want the idea of relationship is to like have security and be able to explore and make mistakes but know that you are secure and love right in those mistakes so you're not afraid like, so even if something happens, it's not, it doesn't harm the relationship, you know? And so I think about how, like, with God, that's how you know you have a really, really healthy re- relationship with the Lord is because you're able to, like, it's like a toddler, you know, like, do y'all have kids? Okay. So anyone who's listening, who has a baby or a toddler or has anyone who has been a toddler or baby before, you know what? I mean, whenever like the toddler is just exploring on the ground and like exploring the environment, seeing like a little plant or table or whatever, and then trying to touch things, you're like, uh uh-uh. uh. But you like don't pick them up, but you let them explore freely. So like if something were to happen, you you got them, but like if something 
like, you know, you're just giving them space to like, like agency, you know, like, like that's like what that is. And so essentially I believe God does that with us as far as just like, I'm secure with the Lord and I'm allowed to like ask all of these questions. I'm allowed to make all these mistakes and not saying that, like do whatever, like obviously you want to have wisdom, but it's okay if you just don't have wisdom for a bit. Like you'll experience the consequence, the natural consequence of not having, of making a decision that doesn't end well. You know what I mean? Like just accept that, right? But like, but there's also times where the Lord will just really cover you. <laughs> like really will cover you in yeah. that. And I believe like, like being able to deconstruct and decolonize is like, and when you do it from a place of like, like in that tension, you're like, okay, I'm okay with being in this tension with God, but it doesn't mean that we are mad at each other. It means that like, I'm just figuring things out. Like I believe that shows so much help in the relationship. And so, yeah. So yeah, I, I definitely think that what you just said is totally valid. Um, and I've heard that analogy tons of times, like a baby or a toddler, or whatever, and how they accord how God, how we, our relationship with God um exists um and i i just i definitely think we have to let people you know if you want to even use the prodigal son that narrative as another reference it's like people experience life how they experience it they do things they learn from the bad decisions the bad choices the mistakes and Mm -hmm. they grow and they move on and we all move on and we're all okay and I think that anyone who's listening, because you're right, like, that's an extremely common analogy. But if you're like listening to this and you're not like, nothing's changing for you inside, like, don't, aren't you ever curious why you don't feel safe with God? Mm-hmm. And then unpack that. Mm-hmm. Like, what are things about God that makes you feel so unsafe? Like, um, that's and, good. That's good. That's good. That's good. That, that's that, that yeah. degree coming in. Come on now. Come on. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> bro. <laughs> yeah because i i think about my friends now who have told me stuff and i'm like i can identify religious trauma now mm-hmm. like i can identify and i'm just like yeah, that shouldn't have happened to you you shouldn't have had that response to that thing like mm-hmm. just trauma to put it into context our nation was built off of fear in warlike language like yes, you say, the war on was. drugs, the war on terror, the war on COVID. We are built. Our 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 society is built from a very punitive standpoint. So whenever we talk about deconstruction, decolonize, divesting, it's actually a restorative process, and it looks really funny to people who are like, "Well, aren't you fearful?" Like I fear God, not man. It's like, okay, cool. Um, so being being able to use that paradigm to say, no, 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 this is a restorative relationship. Mm-hmm. God is actually re- returning my image to myself mm-hmm. that racism, xenophobia, mm-hmm. homophobia, yes. ableism has tried to strip away from me. And God is restoring mm-hmm. to me yeah. what, pe- what people took out of the storehouse. And so it's like, there's nothing you can say to me Amen. that's going to mm-hmm. knock me off of this course because I contend it's like a brick wall mm-hmm. that as soon as you pull one brick, you start to realize, wait a minute, these are faux bricks. This faux Christianity I've been living, that that's not that's not sturdy. I'm not gonna lay my mantle down here. Like, oh, they they didn't accept me in that community, mm-hmm. or I said Black Lives Matter and people got really upset. Hmm, I'm gonna take another brick off that wall, and eventually, you no longer have a wall. It's just a pile of bricks, yeah. and then we start the reconstruction process to say. From here, mm-hmm. this is what God's beloved community looks like. And it it doesn't look like capitalism. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> And it's and it's safe to deconstruct and reconstruct. So for anyone who is has like because also like why like why do you have like not saying you, but in general, why do people have tension with like like why can't people have tension? Like what is wrong with that? Probably because you're not really great at conflict. But like but what if like conflict is what if conflict can be safe? You know what I mean? Like, it mean that something deeper can form. Like, what if? And by the way, it does. Like, <laughs> that's how you build intimacy with people is by through, like, 
you know, the conflict can help you understand and, you know, mm-hmm. all that. To, to your question, you know, we, there are examples of people in the Bible that wondered or doubted mm-hmm. and they were, they were allowed to do that. They were allowed to be human in that way. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't something that they had to pretend that they had it all together because we really don't. And I just, I think the purpose of deconstruction is to really sit with those questions, mm-hmm. um, to sit with the things that don't make sense and try to figure out what you can do to rebuild a more vibrant, life-giving, liberating faith. Not just mm-hmm. for you, but for the people around you as well. Because we, one thing I always say is we exist in community. So we have to be able mm-hmm. to serve other people you know, and to liberate them. But the thing about it, yes. if you are not liberated, you will not feel the need to walk the journey of liberation with another. Right. So true. Amen. <laughs> and something I sent William yesterday uh, via text message, um, I was like, so I follow these people on Twitter who are really, really good and um, there's a woman named Brandy Miller. You may know her, Ariel. But I think so, yeah. She tweeted, um, she says, a white Western Christianity built on the foundation of enslavement by basic logic cannot make us free. Come on. Exactly. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> she, she, I, just, I just felt the Holy Spirit move through yes. my body. And <laughs> yes. And it's just like, why would we ever think that it could you people you talking about the gospel the gospel this the gospel that but <laughs> what is it right what 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 is the foundation yeah and the same people who like and I don't like <laughs> slaughtered like millions of Native Americans and like forced them to like leave their culture those who survived mm-hmm. like what. And exactly. the audacity to call them Native Americans. Right. Right? Right. And di- what? <laughs> it, it is, yeah. It is ridiculous because this reminds me of this whole big discussion they made about critical race theory right now. Don't, don't get me started. Don't <laughs> see. You, you don't right. get me going. I, I'm not going to spend a lot of time, but I just got to say this. It's like. It's you, of the devil. How dare, how dare you demonize the work of black scholars the years Mm. of research the years of empirical data being gathered how dare Mm. you sit here and demonize this it's not a threat you know what's a threat christianity's own history (laughs) literally (laughs) literally some of the theologians that like we base a lot of like american evangelicalism off of we're slave owners Absolutely. but saying but sharing the gospel are you kidding me are you kidding me there is no integrity in that and no one can ever defend that slaves you know, obey like, your masters. and so <laughs> right i'm like are you kidding me no and i don't know i uh, i could talk about this all day i'm so sorry like i don't want to get no. off on a tangent because i know greg like you had a plan but hmm. um <laughs> but yeah like it's just something that like it's really truly devastating and I believe that the Lord is truly devastated by this and like I I don't know if you guys ever felt it like whenever you kind of had your own like social awakening like the compassion and the overwhelming feeling of just like sorrow like I feel like that's like learning to feel like God's heart you know like but like that is nothing compared to what I believe that God feels but it just sometimes just makes you weak and weep and weep because there's just so many people who have suffered in the like in God's name but it wasn't because of God but it was because of people using God as a justification it was people like for power in vain exactly exactly that is what the Lord using the Lord's name in vain is not saying Jesus Christ (laughs) or you know what is it oh my God yeah (laughs) yeah exactly and so yeah, I, um, yeah, my heart just like 
burdened deeply by. Yeah. Well, show me your orthopraxy and I can tell you your practical theology. And mm. if your practical theology is incongruent <laughs> with who the person of Jesus Christ is and the witness of the kingdom of God, mm, I got problems. <laughs> I got deep right. problems. Yeah, no, for sure. And I don't know. It's just like, how can we walk past someone and see them suffering, like literally crying out for help and not have compassion and do something? You know what I mean? Like, and I believe like, I'm like people who believe that Jesus doesn't actually want to end capitalism. I'm like, what? <laughs> do you not see how capitalism, you know what I mean? Like people who are pro-capitalist or like, you know, homophobic or anti-black racist, whatever. It's like, how do you, like, how do you listen, like seriously, like hear someone crying out for help and not respond? Like God does like, what is, there's a Hebrew word for that. Like of how the Holy Spirit is whenever, um, you know, like as like responsive, but even more responsive than like a mother rushing to nurse her crying baby. Like there's a, ah, there's a Hebrew word for it. I literally learned it from the Bible project like a few weeks ago. Are you familiar with that little like YouTube thing? I haven't taken it yet, but anyways, if you're listening to this or I know whoever is listening to this, y'all look it up. It, on the Bible project, it talks about that and like compassion and stuff. But that's um Yeah, that, that yeah. same concept. I think I reached out to you, Greg, or put on a Facebook status once. It was at, at the height of the Black Lives Matter movement. And I just remember sitting there thinking like our white evangelical spaces have the audacity to believe that a rock, which is an inanimate object, will cry out mm -hmm. if humanity is not, but and yet does not believe their neighbor when they cry out. And I had to sit with that for a mm -hmm. very long time and just very mm -hmm. uncomfortable with, is my life and my voice less than a rock? And just like letting mm -hmm. that sit in my spirit to be like, okay, mm -hmm. all right, here we go. It's not supposed to be like this. And that, that's like the one phrase that keeps me going on this journey is mm. it's not supposed to be like this That's for so myself, good. for my neighbor, for my children, for my children's children. It's not supposed to be like this. Yeah. Right. Mm. Totally, so I totally agree, William. Um, <clears throat> we have definitely, got, again, God has equipped us already. There is not, we're, we don't have to wait. We don't have to wait to carry out liberation. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's already there. Jesus said, I came that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Mm. So when we, when we believe and hold to ideas and teachings that have now subjugated another, that is not in line mm. with who Jesus yep. is. And to be liberated includes... Mm -hmm white people and i know that's not popular to yes. say in our circle sometimes but i truly believe like when we say white people what we're really saying is they need to decolonize deconstruct and divest from white supremacy and whiteness and it's like no we white need you we yes. need you in this Sorry. because mm -hmm. if we're yes. liberated and you're not then we can't claim we're liberated because we're your neighbor no you're exactly right so like you said it's not popular and i I agree with you. Like people would think, oh yeah, it's not popular to say that, but like, are we really even talking like, like you're right. Like true love is like everyone being liberated and white supremacy is detrimental to white oh, yeah. people. It's detrimental. Them, absolutely. <laughs> yes. And like, and just like when you unveil your eyes and like open yourself up for love and to give love, there is just so much beauty that comes from that. We just like, you know how like you experience the Holy Spirit and like you connect to like what it means. Like, oh, I am uniquely loved by God. Like, like you don't have to compete for love. Like it's all for you. And like, and I believe like, it's like very similar as far as just, I don't know. There's just so much beauty that we miss out on if we're, willing to step on other people to get ahead like <laughs> we miss out on the gifts that god has 
given them to bless us, you know, like, and so, um, yeah, no, you're absolutely right about the whole, like, white people need to be liberated and is not full liberation if we're not for them as well. So. Yes. Um, that was a lot, you know, that was a lot. We should do a podcast <laughs> on that because the complexities yeah. of that. Yeah. Yeah. That was a lot. There's a lot but, there. But I think that's a good segue into the next question, which is what has brought you joy in your faith journey? Honestly, like, I guess the best word is like liberation, like in parts that I have found it. And the thing is like, I think that God is always doing something. I just think that I don't always see it because of my own limited human perspective, right? And I've experienced God's liberation in my own personal development through like, uh, and I'm ex- I'm still experiencing liberation in these areas, but you know how healing comes in layers. We're onions, you know, like we can be healed of one area, but then it's time to like heal in another area that's very similar to, yeah. So it, it kind of, healing takes layers. But anyways, yeah, I find joy in realizing that like the Lord is, is good, like truly good and truly loves to give gifts. And those are gifts of healing, gifts of like sunshine, gifts of just laughter. Like, and I'm talking about laughter in the midst of like soul gripping pain, like where you feel like you can never smile again the Lord would bring something your way and you just end up having the biggest belly laugh of your life. Like that kind of stuff. Like I'm trying to be mindful of that because I don't want to sound like super heavy and hardcore all the time of like, oh, depression. Oh, what is this? What is suffering? But like, but like just different things throughout my day. Like whenever I take a drink of water and I'm refreshed, that's a gift, you know, like, (laughs) or taking a nap like and seeing like the sun like beaming on my skin like that is so nice and like and it truly brings me joy and and so yeah I I'm really grateful that you asked that because like I think focusing too much on like the heavy stuff can make feel make it feel as if like hope isn't there but there's so much there's so much out there for us you know but yeah I agree it's this the simple things in life, basically. Yeah. What you're referring to when you just describe all that just now, it's the simple things. It's those small reminders that God is there. Like it's just basic stuff that we don't even think is so insignificant at all. Um, so we kind of talked about this earlier as far as your deconstruction. So I think we kind of delved into it. Um, but what are some ways that you are divesting from traditional Christian perspectives? And so that that could literally be anything, really. Um, sensationalism, prosperity gospel, that's like something that like I definitely got sucked into whenever I became a Christian. And I think it was just because I found God and I'm like, whoa. God is like this like amplifying like ball of love (laughs) and life and like I am like not dead on the inside (laughs) anymore like I am breathing for real this time you know and so like whenever I see like pastors like Stephen Furtick or Rich Wilkerson Jr. or who are the other like sensationalists you know what I mean like I know you mean celebrity pastors any of them but yes not anymore I don't either. And I don't want to say like anything about who they are as people, but definitely I am trying to connect more to like, is this Holy Spirit or is this just them being really charismatic? Because they're really good at bringing in emotion, you know, like, and maybe sometimes it's a little bit of both, but like, I think, I think often, I think sometimes it kind of gets into, it gets kind of muddy. You know what I mean? And I don't want to be like, I don't, I don't want to be that person that's like super impressed by like 
creating these big experiences where you had this rush of emotion because we used really loud sound and bright lights and then like people screaming around everywhere because they were told to by their staff leader you know what I mean like because like that's a thing in these mega churches where like they hire well not hire but like they instruct people to sit in the front and to give their amen woo, you know all of that in the front and so like and obviously create type right like the what is that social contagion whatever that thing is but like that's what it does and I just like I'm not impressed by it I'm impressed by the Holy Spirit that's what I'm impressed by so I'm just kind of like I take that as like, eh, not really interested, but like, you know, if God is doing amazing works, I'm not going to sit here and downplay it. Like, I'm going to be mindful about having a sense of openness for the Lord and just trust for like discernment to be spoken into me, you know, about like what's happening in the situation. Um, something else that like, oh yeah, like evangelism, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, I'm not divesting completely from evangelism but I think from the American way of evangelism that makes sense yeah um I don't want to be I don't want to try to get like all these numbers and like woo, four thousand people subject Christ into their life tonight without giving them any of a follow-up plan because like I saw this one tweet um oh my gosh her name was Aretha did you see Greg on like I retweeted her she she was talking about how she saw this lady evangelizing to this homeless person under a bridge. And she said the biggest question that came to her after that was like, well, what's next? Mm. Are they going to like go to the church? Are they going to help them get like a job or a home or like take care of them? Like make, take care of like from the trauma of poverty? Like what are, what's next? Right. Like, and that is the question because it's like, who am I to like bring like take a really vulnerable part of someone like and then like not lead them to like trust in God more in a way that like literally cares for them on this earth but also cares for them, their soul you know what I mean because you can't just do one without the other like and I don't know I just think of like everyone around us they are our neighbors mm-hmm. like we have a duty to take care of each other and that's a very like collectivistic kind of mindset and westerners are like what oh yeah <laughs> yes yeah. <laughs> they're like wait we actually have to like yeah. take care of the poor and not just give them food like every like once a week or once a month but like invite them to our homes and yeah hmm. right and like and let's just say that and let's just say that you know that person who says they're poor for a reason is exactly right on like why they're poor like whatever like they did it to themselves essentially that was that would be the language that we'll use don't like they still deserve love like they still deserve their physical needs to be taken care of like and that and i think that even reflects on how people view their relationship with the lord like if they mess up then like there's no like coming back from it like you know what I mean? There's no safety or security in that. You're just, yeah. And yeah, so I just want to, like, whether it's me discipling someone after, you know, like helping them to like know Jesus or whether it's me setting someone up that is reliable (laughs) and like also like nurturing their faith and also taking care of them. Like, I think those are very important follow-ups. Like, they're, they are now part of my community. It is not just like, hey, you know, every now and then, like, obviously do what you can, but like, they are now within my community and I think about them. Right. And yeah, so. I personally love that. I, I ascribe to the Celtic way of, of trying to evangelize or disciple, which is very much come and see what God is doing as opposed to the Roman way, which is go and tell. And what happens in the, in the go and tell mm. is... One, in our discipleship process, it looks like I'm trying to colonize you because that's what it is. Um, But number two, viewing people as a commodity to say, we had 75 souls were saved. And it's like, okay, so now you're keeping track and now you're trying to hit metrics and and data points. This sounds a lot like capitalism. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like it just lends itself 
to those type of behaviors <laughs> where if, if we can prove uh, data set wise that we're effective, that means the gospel's effective. And it's like, show me where Jesus typed up his spreadsheet because I've yet to find it on a scroll. Mm-hmm. I've yet to mm-hmm. find it. You won't find exactly. It. And like, Jesus just did community with people. You know what I mean? Like, like with his disciples who were like literally like he was just like literally discipling them and like bringing them to the faith you know what I like in knowing him deep in like in a relationship level you know like not just theology Mm -hmm. but like knowing him and that is what we're meant to do like we're meant to know each other like that helps like that helps us understand who God is whenever we do that and you know how what like we have to think about like how our western culture influence like affects the way we interact with each other and because yeah. that western part of us is just like the it feels like an evangelical a christian way of saying hit it and quit it does that make sense <laughs> like that's like super awkward for me to say but like that just feels like a very christian it. version yeah. of that yeah so. <laughs> it's, it's un- unfortunately it's like it's like this hegemonic way of being and existing Mm -hmm. within the Western world. And Christianity has been tainted by that. Mm. So we, we don't, we don't, we don't want to acknowledge the fact that, you know, things exist beyond how we see them. Like that's just, that's, that's just a simple, a simple fact is that things exist beyond how we see them. So like yeah. we're constantly battling people because they don't align with how we feel. But I think, I, I just think it's so much more beauty in embracing the differences. Yes. Just, yes. That's just how I feel and embracing the diversity. Like, yeah. And you know, like, cause you said that we're like unwilling to see beyond just like you know the visual eye like what we just see like but you're right you're absolutely right and I'm like that is like so self-preservating like you can't like like we're (laughs) bearing each other's burdens Christians love saying that right but like they have an issue we have an issue with suffering over here in the west like we don't actually understand suffering in the way that so many people do. And like some of us in the West do understand suffering on a pretty exponential standpoint, you know, you talked about those systemic issues, but like, but yeah, like even like, I don't know, I guess like, I just think that like, why can't you just open yourself up? Like you have limited resources, like you're in a good place. Why don't you have some of that for someone else. Like, give be a space for them. You know, you know that that requires you to kind of relinquish your privilege and to mm-hmm. and to let go. Because <laughs> um, I find a lot of people. Oh, I'll pray for you. Okay, so you so spiritual bypassing is what we call that. <laughs> 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 you know, like you literally are able to meet a physical, tangible need, but you won't do it. You offer your prayers and that's cool. But mm-hmm. again, like I said earlier, God has already given us the tools. We need to make stuff happen, get stuff popping. And we just right. won't do it. We just won't do it. We have everything we need to do what we have to do to actually mm-hmm. make the gospel be a reality. Yeah. For all people. Yeah. Exactly. Like, and what did he talk about? What is Sean Foyt? Jesus. Sean Foyt and his like, let's have a revolution during COVID and having all those like COVID spreader events. Okay, you don't have a real revolution. Let's end capitalism. Let's um let's address this white supremacy in the church and get people saved from let's get white people delivered from that. Let's let's talk about how we can and like have an inclusive environment for queer, gay, trans, all the people. And like let's show them that they are part of our family. Like, like let's, that's a revolution. You know what I'm saying? Where everyone is sitting here free and doing everything. Let's like take care of um, asylum seekers. You know what I mean? Like have a revolution that way, you know? Like, and I don't know, I guess I just think 
about how like there's so much need and there's so much we can do, but so many of us are not doing it. And, and that needs to change. So. <laughs> I think a large part of it is we think the Bible was written for us as Westerners, but it, but it wasn't. Mm. It was written for Israel <laughs> and it's to the world. And so if you don't understand mm. the cultural happenings mm. of the day, as Jesus, as we say on this podcast all the time, lived in the ethnic body and moved in a in community with a shared language and tongue with different people, we have to understand the, the cultural norms of that mm-hmm. day and then how to cross the bridge o- over into our Western world. And we don't do that. We just think that, oh, the Bible was written for me because I'm a Christian. And it's like, mm-hmm. ah, Jesus wasn't a Christian. So that, that's not, that's not mm-hmm. a thing. Um, and so I think a large part mm-hmm. of it is I think people know their Bible. They just don't know the Bible. I love that you said that because I'm, I'm still growing in like, like literally this whole awakening is like a year long awakening. Like this more recent, like get angry about everything, have integrity, Ariel. What does it mean? You know, like what does everything mean? So anyways, I, I love that you just said that because I can totally see where I work for myself of like how I've always viewed like the Bible was for me. And, and I wonder if that was like some of the reason why I'm like, I don't trust the way I yeah. read this because I'm like, <laughs> it's legit because we bring all, yeah. all of our so thank you for saying context, that. our presuppositions into the reading. When right. we read one word, we think, oh, I know what that means. But and yet it can have four or five different meetings in the Greek or Hebrew. Like we just don't know the way we should. We just don't. Yeah. Or, or we proof text yeah. and all that. So I think you're going to do very well in seminary, Ariel. I really do. Because, because you have a <sighs> practical you. theological and mind to say, definitely. how, how does this affect people? Because one of the things I say all the time is I don't get to decide what is good news for my neighbor. I don't, I don't get to decide that. Mm-hmm. I just don't. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. No, thank you for saying that. Um, I'm going to learn a lot. Like, I'm like kind of nervous, but also really excited because I'm like, God, you're going to, you're going to show me so much. And I love learning. I'm one of those nerds, but also I hate homework. So it's weird how that goes together, (laughs) (laughs) but like, so just talk, just talk to me about it. We'll have a lot of language and I'll, I'll do my language from there, but I don't want to do any homework. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'm really looking forward to this and like, like I, there's a lot of areas where I need to build language in because like, I have a lot of like things like brewing in my mind. I'm like, what? That's not right. There's like this, this, and this connected and this isn't right. And what does this mean? And yada, yada, yada. But like, I think it's kind of hone out a lot of like those gaps that I've been having in my brain. Yeah, for sure. So. I, I, I love to tell um, people who are going through seminary or are about to go off to seminary that it should give you the tools to critically think through what you're thinking through, not necessarily an answer to everything. So when I went in, I was thinking, right. oh, I already know this stuff. I have an undergrad degree. It's going to be super easy. Um, I just had the wrong toolkit. And I figured out immediately mm. that I had a white supremacy toolkit. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, nope, we, we, we need to throw that out because <laughs> the tools were never meant for me. I can't use these tools. They mm. weren't meant for me. Mm-hmm. My, my, my prints and... Right. and and work or not my my ancestors blood is on these things um so i kind of hold them close and i I never forget i need a new set of tools to do this um and so mm-hmm. i think that experience will give you the tools to to where you can start to build out some of that theological framing to say this is who god is this is who holy spirit is this is who jesus is and was and will be uh, and this is how god is working in the world and this is how i'm called to invest in the kingdom of God. So I'm excited for you personally. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yes, Thank you. Um, I have a question actually, if that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, both of you, do you have like, like your personal development and stuff? Cause obviously I can tell that y'all, y'all are healed in some areas where a lot of people are not healed. Mm-hmm. Um, has that ever included like therapy and not just like biblical counseling or like, like you've done like clinical like therapy work and and obviously if you don't feel comfortable answering don't but I'm like really transparent about like oh yeah six years of therapy still in it yep 
<laughs> um, me, I never did therapy. It was a lot of self-work. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah, it was a lot of self-work that I did. A lot of conversations with people. Um, I would like to do therapy because I think that there are some things that I could unpack with the therapist that I'm more curious mm-hmm. about now and have more questions about now. But honestly, just it's where I am now at this point, it was just a lot of me seeking God on my own and talking to people and existing in community with people and mm-hmm. knowing on a personal level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have something to say to that mm-hmm. because you hit on something there, but um, well, I don't want to overshadow you. Oh, go ahead. You have to say so okay so just really quickly like people forget that like healing is a privilege and and i wish that healing was not but there's so much like lack of like access or like resources to healing is something very common that people experience and that's why exactly what you said about community like healthy community is what really like helps you yourself like like that is how healing should be happening like it doesn't always have to be just therapy. You know what I mean? And so I love that you said that. And uh, and while it's great to have like the science and stuff behind things, like you just hit on a point there, Greg, that like is like a game changer, yeah. you know? Yeah, you need people to walk with, yeah. with you, to do life, as people say. You need those people. Got I was a teenager when I first sat in a therapy chair and just had some some extra time on on the schedule so I I got called in I just hopped in the chair and when we spoke and that has always been uh, a, a fairly unique part of my story um, I don't think I was receiving therapy but I was talking with a therapist just about random things so mm-hmm. for me very early on in my own development I learned um, how to have these restorative conversations I don't call it safe space or courageous conversations because it's like One, it's not safe for some people and it's not even (laughs) courageous for some people because it's necessary, but what it should be for everybody Mm -hmm. is restorative. And so just learning how to, Mm -hmm. how to be in community, um, well, um, I also in my teen years was exposed to a lot of, um, addiction groups and stuff like that. Just like seeing adults who struggle with hurts and hangups and addictions and drug use, like you name it, Mm -hmm. I probably have seen it. Um, and so being being able to be self-aware enough, um, I probably do need to see a therapist. So I'm going through the ordination process right now in the UMC to be a deacon. Yeah. And um, we, we had to do this psychological assessment and I ranked really, not really high, but higher than the therapist would like in terms of stress and anxiety. And so trying to begin to mm-hmm. unpack that. Um, and it's these conversations that I have the stress and anxiety about because I feel like I don't have the margin for error that my white colleagues may have. Like there's more grace for them. Mm -hmm. Like this is my Mm -hmm. life we're talking about, right? Or decolonize. I'm decolonizing Mm -hmm. my faith with God. So I might be saved. (laughs) And it's like, I I got time Mm -hmm. to play around or mess around or misstep. Like we got to be on it. Right. Um, I, I, I'm trying to dismantle that idea as well to put all the pressure on folks of Mm. color, you know, to, to do this work. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I certainly do need to see a therapist and that's a great reminder. My wife is always like, you just need to sit down and talk with somebody. I'm like, I'm too busy. I got things (laughs) to do. She's like, okay, eventually (laughs) behind's going to burn out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I've been in six years of trauma work and, um, and like, cause I had like pretty significant trauma as a child. Um, and that's like a story for another time, maybe on our own time, if we ever like met up through Zoom or something again. Um, but yeah, I'm like, when will I not be in therapy? Because like I've changed a lot and I've grown so much and I feel ready to be in a relationship, like to possibly get married one day. Like that's a big deal, you know? Like, but like, and like maybe you might like have a baby or two or five, you know, like somewhere down the road. But like, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm always need my therapist. I'm always need God. Like, I'm just so I'm like, yeah, there's it's never too late to get into it. And it's okay to like want to always like check in and stuff too. And so, especially as like a pastor. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, no, it's very real. I think there's this image out there that pastors are so well received because they get up and preach or ministers that they're, I, I, I would contend like a preacher is, is a public figure. And so if you look at a musician, like, oh my gosh, they have it all. Like folks love them. They're, they're so seen, right? And they're listened to and they're valued. Their voice deeply matters. Mm-hmm. But then when they step off the stage, it's like no one's mm-hmm. investing in the artist as a person. They just like the commodity mm-hmm. that it, commodity that is pushed out. Um, and so like for pastors and ministers, it's like these, these are some mm-hmm. of the most alone people I know. Mm-hmm. Just they feel isolated, right? Because it's like, oh, I can hang out with so-and-so. Oh, but they're from church and they're going to ask me about this and I'm going to be in mm-hmm. work mode. And so definitely if you are a pastor or minister listening, listening to this, find you a restorative space where you can just be, yeah. that you can just be. That's so good. Well, Ariel, we thank you. Yes, thank you so much for coming on, Again. dropping wisdom, Thanks, guys. I'm knowledge. so grateful thank to, you. like, you know, hang out with y'all on here. And yeah, I learned a lot from y'all too. I'm like, what? Spitting fire? Hold up. I can't wait till I go to seminary and like, <laughs> I start spitting some fire too, like y'all. Well, you can do it now because I ain't going to nobody seminary. <laughs> <laughs> I can do it. You can Listen, do it you get that yeah. book list, you just start reading. <laughs> My book list is so long. My thing is folks think I'm, I don't say well read. Folks just think I read. And so I really don't. I'm a skimmer. I just skim books and stuff and articles and TED Talks. And like, that's my jam. I don't like sitting there for four or five. Oh, no, because like, then it just feels like capitalism. Does it make sense? Like productivity, pumping out yep. all this information because you've acquired all this information and that's all you're good for. And so like, I think some t- part of me like rebels against that, but yeah, I, I think I'll probably take back that semi approach. Cause sometimes I feel like I can't do that, but I totally can. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we wish you all the best as you head off to seminary. And I assume this is our, it's, this is our first conversation, but it's definitely not our last conversation. So thank you so much for being with us. And we want to end the episode like we do each time we put out um, an episode is that decolonization doesn't happen in a day. Peace, y'all. Peace.